0: Hey everyone, welcome to Simplexity, where we simplify the complexities of life and add a little curiosity and contemplation to meaningful, sometimes difficult conversations. I'm your host, Allison Stoner. You've just been dropped off in a foreign land with no belongings, no money, No method of outside communication, no knowledge of the civilization, and no awareness of your surroundings. The journey ahead requires you to navigate a variety of terrains and complete a series of physical and psychological challenges, through which you'll uncover your purpose and what it means to be alive. What do you do first? Well, before you gather survival supplies, you have to orient yourself. Where are you? What's around you? Once you find a map, then you've got to figure out your game plan. To the best of your ability, you take in whatever information is available, and you feel a tremendous dependence on strangers, clues from your environment, and deep instincts to help you stay alive while you make your way. In many ways... This is a metaphor for entering the world in our physical bodies as babies, new to the planet with an impressionable identity, no perfectly clear blueprint, reliant on the care, concern, and provision of others, and also susceptible to all sensory and cognitive input, somatic experience, and external stimuli. As you grow and develop, your mind and body are shaped by everything around you and whether you mean to or not, you assimilate to a system of living, a certain way to organize and make sense of your life. Now, had you been dropped off in a different land or born in a different body, you might learn an entirely new system of being. Even next door, they might be looking at a similar map, but with totally different directions. This is how I want you to approach today's conversation, which explores our human experience using a comprehensive map based on an ancient holistic system of medicine called Ayurveda. This may be a new model for you, but for millions of others, it is a time-tested approach with oodles of evidence and potential. And today, we're cracking it open to find all the ways we can incorporate its wisdom into our lives with one of the foremost contemporary experts on the mind-body connection, Sahara Rose. Deepak Chopra calls her a leading voice in the millennial generation into the new paradigm shift. Fancy. She's written best-selling books and designed numerous programs that help us understand our dharma, which is also known as our soul's purpose, nutrition, business, self-care practice, relationships, and meditation. And she hosts the number one spirituality podcast called Higher Self, on which we both have an exciting episode, so tune in right after. Miss Sahara, thank you for being here today. Mm, Thank
1: you so much for having me and for that beautiful analogy. It actually reminds me of The Vedic perspective of discovering your dharma and your soul's purpose. Oh, nice. So I don't know if you knew that, but in the Vedic perspective, Vedas are the world's eldest ever recorded text that Ayurveda Mm -hmm. comes from, as well as yoga, which most people are familiar with. Um, Feng shui, a lot of these practices all have Vedic origins. Mm -hmm. So according to the Vedas, we are all born onto this unique highway. And on this highway, at the end of the highway is your dharma, your soul's purpose, like your highest expression, who you you were meant to be. And that's mm. not necessarily one job or one role. Or one lesson. Mm. One lesson. It is the frequency that your soul is at its totality, like you mm. living in your total truth, which may be look different and manifest differently five years from now. Mm. But you living in your complete truth, that's your dharma, your soul's purpose. Mm. And the the vibration, the domino effect that it has on everyone's on everyone else. Because, you know, when you live up to your truth, you expand and you teach other people and it creates this beautiful ripple effect. Right. So we're all born onto this highway. The end of the highway is dharma. And when we are on cruise control, you know, just going along towards our dharma, the universe propels us in that direction. So mm-hmm. we meet the right people at the right time who say the right things, mm-hmm. have the right realizations, find the right books, the right mentors, whatever it is. And then suddenly it's like the universe is pushing you in a way that you could have never brought yourself. You know, okay. you're no longer struggling. You're like on this, like what are those things, conveyor belts at the airport. You're right. like on a conveyor belt of life right. that you're just and this is called living in Kriya, which is essentially living in flow. And this is right. the way flow that state. life is meant to be lived. Like you're constantly being helped and supported in your Dharma. But most mm-hmm. of us live in what we call karma. So most of us have heard of the word karma. We think it's like what goes around comes around, Mm -hmm. like the Justin Timberlake song. (laughs) And, you know, the word karma has many different definitions, but really what it means is bounded action by the universe. So Mm -hmm. when you are going off the direction of your dharma, your soul's purpose, you say, oh, well, mm, that might make me more money or I don't know, my parents might like that better or like I don't think I'll ever make it. I'm too old. I'm too young, whatever it is. Mm -hmm you get off this highway, you're going down this exit that you can feel is not right, but you know, your mind is speaking louder than your intuition and the universe responds. So first it responds like tap, tap, tap. You know, you feel anxious. You feel like something's not right. Hmm. And then most of us, you know, we think that's normal. It responds, knock, 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 knock. And that's like, you know, maybe you're really feeling off for a couple of weeks or Mm -hmm. things are just like you know, erupting in your face, most of us still don't listen. Most of us live in that state. Mm-hmm. And then the universe is like shaking us. We still don't listen. And eventually, for many of us, it gets to the point of an accident something that you literally mm-hmm. have two choices at that moment to either completely shift the trajectory of your life or to remain in pain. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, like, you know, Eckhart Tolle and all of these profound spiritual teachers, they had to get to that point of accident of feeling suicidal, feeling like they can't live on to have that awakening. But we right now have the invitation to notice when it just feels like a tap, when it feels like anxiety, it feels right. like stress to get back on that direction. So it's really beautiful that you you shared that story because we all literally are in this like jungle that, no one can pave the path for you. The The journey to prepare you for that dharma is you paving the path yourself. And when you're hmm. in that alignment and you're in that flow, you'll experience support in ways that you never have experienced before.
0: And it's coming both inwardly and outwardly, right? You can feel almost your cells regenerating and um, entering that flow. It's whatever you are focusing your energy on, more of that is begotten, right? It exactly. Love begets love and... If you're doing the opposite, it's the same, I imagine. Exactly. And, you know, in our society,
1: we've kind of been brought up like life's tough. Get a helmet. Like Hmm. life is a series of unfortunate events. And most of us have been conditioned to accept that we're all living in karma. So we're all like, oh, like you know, often people start the conversations like, oh, today was so hard. It's like, oh, well, I have more on my plate. Oh, well, I this and it's like a comparison of whose life is shittier. Right. right? Like, can I oh, go down here? if glorify here stress, stress like no one's business. Right. And then yeah. we're just like, who's worse than the karma? You know, mm-hmm. what if you're we like, you know, things have been really good and easy this week. Same. <laughs> you know? I'll see that and raise you for this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and but we can't because it comes off as conceited as Mm. like, who am I to have an easy life? Who am I to be living in flow? So even if it's happening for me, let me stop it because I'm not deserving of it.
0: Right. There's a cultural narrative here of preferring to take pride in how hard you can push Mm -hmm. instead of more of like a Tai Chi redirection of energy where you're yielding and embracing. And um, like you said, not just trying to aggressively force one set of protocols, but then instead going, actually, there's so much information if I just tune in. Mm-hmm. And you can probably prevent a lot of you know toxic relationships and even mental health blips. What I have found as I've started diving into Ayurveda is just the sense of being at your optimal at all times. And you're so much more clued into those signals. And so you do. You listen sooner. You respond more wisely. And the the fruit is evident. I mean, I- in my health alone. Um, and we're going to break down everything. I have a lot of, I would say, you know, questions that I'm hoping you can kind of take something that's deep and put it into digestible terms. And I've seen your stuff. So I know that you're the person for this. Um, you You kind of already touched on what Ayurveda is. I want to add to that that It is considered both a medical and spiritual system um, for holistic balance and wellness. But some people call it a pseudoscience Mm -hmm. uh, because it's not mm, it doesn't stand up to the exact measurements and standards of the scientific method. However, there's another term that I would like to bring forward, and that's called proto-science. And uh, Albert Einstein's theory of relativity is actually first a proto-science before it was more widely accepted, and that's what I see here. Um, Ayurveda has changed millions of lives, but we're still just finding our Western language to affirm and refine it. Right? Yeah, I mean, I would
1: say more than even being a new science it's, it's the a- it's the most it's ancient. Exactly. Science. Right. So Ayurveda is the world's oldest ever health system, mm. and. It essentially was recorded first in the Vedas. And then in year 800 AD, Chinese scholars came to India, learned about Ayurveda and turned it into traditional Chinese medicine, which later on moved to Japan and became macrobiotics. It also mm. moved along the Silk Road throughout Egypt, very much influenced like the first ever surgeries in, mm-hmm. in Egypt was influenced by Ayurveda. And then in the battles with Greece, it moved up to Greece and became Materias Medicus, which is the Greek medical system, which mm. Hippocrates, you know, was highly influenced on and became the Western medical system. Right. So if you really go back to where the concept of herbology, healing with herbs, the concept of bringing the body back into alignment, circadian rhythm cycles, sitting on the floor, like all of these concepts come from Ayurveda. What happened was when the British ruled over India in the 19th century, they saw that people you know, could control their health and Mm well-being. And they didn't want that because they wanted to rule over people Mm -hmm. and divide and conquer. So because of that, they made Ayurveda become illegal. And they said that it is a barbaric practice and you will be imprisoned to practice Ayurveda. So it went from the leading medical system in India, billions of people practicing it for tens of thousands of years. You go to a doctor, it was an Ayurvedic doctor, to that person would be, you know, imprisoned for it. So because of that, it had to move to South India, where now Kerala is kind of the epicenter of. Ayurveda because it was just a lot more like jungly in South India, so they weren't able to control it as much mm-hmm. as they were North India. So because of that, they no longer had access to the same medical supplies like Panchakarma, which we'll talk about, is like a right. very highly medical system. But because of that, they had to just use what they had available to them. So they had their spices, their oils, their herbs. Mm-hmm. So it became a kitchen science. How can the mother heal her family with what she has available to them now? And and I think that's even a beautiful part of Ayurveda, that it really allows us to take the the control of healing in our own hands, because that's how people had to heal themselves.
0: Right. Uh, And yes, just knowing that we don't have to rack up medical bills, which there is always a time and place for that. um, But there are so many preventative measures. Uh, On a previous episode, um, I was speaking with a genomics expert and just understanding our own genome sequence. And I really hope that people not only take this, but apply it. And I know that we'll talk about specific practical things that we can do. I think just for Ayurveda 101, um, growing up here in, in the States, I had the food guide pyramid. I, you know, read things by the FDA. and Same. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so I'm wondering how Ayurveda approaches something as simple as diet, fitness, and lifestyle. And then later we can break down chakras, we can get into doshas and all of that, but just food, fitness, and lifestyle.
1: Yeah, so, you know, The beautiful thing about Ayurveda is there's no one-size-fits-all approach. And I think that that's what we've realized in health. You know, they're like, everyone go paleo, go vegan, go this, go that. And it just doesn't simply work for everyone. Mm -hmm. So Ayurveda is really about understanding what your body needs and when you need it. So the doshas are essentially the archetypes. The word dosha means energy. So we are all comprised of these three energies, Mm -hmm. vata, which is air, pitta, which is fire, kapha, which is earth. And then the seasons are also going to change those. So, for example summer it's hot fire the fall it's cold it's dry air the winter it's cold wet same with spring so that's that's related to the earth energy mm. so we have we're born with these doshas the earth is always changing and moving the doshas around us so the approach to health is going to be always slightly different according to what's happening in our bodies and what's happening to the world around us so for example we've all noticed in the summertime we want you know smoothies and fruits and salads and things that are very cooling well that's our body naturally wanting things that will cool us off whereas in the fall it's like back to school season like we all energetically feel this like we're changing our outfits we're changing our Instagram bios we're changing things <laughs> up and we want like the pumpkin spice latte from 8th and- grade till
0: I'm a ninth grader <laughs> yeah exactly my <laughs> AIM profile yeah <laughs> XX baby XX92 yes, or yes. no now not the 90s yeah 2017 so f- 14 born. yeah <laughs>
1: um so you know we want the pumpkin spice lattes we want the soups we want the broths all of these things and then in the winter we kind of naturally want to hibernate and then 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 later in the spring go into spring cleaning and shaking things up. So naturally, without anyone telling us to do these things, we're intuitively doing them because Mm -hmm. we're responding to our environment. However, the level that perhaps I will have to spring clean might be different than someone else. If I've really been eating mac and cheese all winter, really hibernating, I'm going to have to spring clean a little bit more, whereas someone who's maybe been like very active or in a hot climate doesn't need as much. So this again, shows us that we are a reflection of the environment, but the way that the environment reflects on us is going to be different according to our natural composition.
0: Are there some general do's and don'ts for each dosha?
1: Yes. So I think a good place to start is what the doshas look like. So Vata is air energy. So if you think about the air, it is fast. It is moving. You can never predict which direction it's going to go. So people who have vata personalities, they are creative. They think outside the box. They are visionaries. They see things with that higher vision. They're bubbly. Like, you have a lot of vata. I don't know if you've taken the quiz. Oh, interesting.
0: I was... Diagnosed pitta with a little V. Big P little V. So yeah. So we'll <laughs> talk about
1: how the dosha you might have today is different than what you're born with. But for Perfect. example, people who are vatas are like creativity is their jam. So like singing, dancing, acting, like that's mm. that's your creativity. <laughs>
0: hmm. I smell some, yeah, I smell some <laughs> <laughs> in there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: something's happening. So personality wise, we can see that they are. You know they're they're bright they're bubbly they're moving but the shadow side of that and with everything there's a shadow side which could be a, a more you know aspects of yourself one might have to work on. It's with all of that energy and all those new ideas and all those sparks sometimes it can turn into starting a lot of projects and not finishing them mm-hmm. or you know getting really restless and not being able to chill mm-hmm. or getting really anxious you know like all of those thoughts can circulate in your mind like a tornado and if you can't turn them off that's anxiety. That's insomnia. Hmm. So we have those both sides. If you think of Steve Jobs, he's a very good example of a vata. So he was able to foresee this world where we had these like square devices that controlled our lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we even see that he named it Apple because he was a raw vegan. And vatas are very attracted to raw foods, cold foods, light foods, Hmm. because they want to stay active and they want to stay moving. They don't want to be way down down. exactly so they even i have a lot of vata too they they talk fast they're like so we're like Like, that's like the vata (laughs) is being activated right now and it's it's the air and it's like let's come up with ideas and and analyze how the world works and it's like see things want to start a side podcast (laughs) exactly (laughs) or just like what's the meaning of life um so that's like our vata in there but you know if we and i'm sure i've definitely experienced this too like not knowing what i'm supposed to do like having Mm. all these things i'm passionate about that i don't even know how to get them started and then sometimes you get stuck in that standstill okay so that's and then, vata. And that's vata. And then physically in the body, it's feeling cold, dry, mm. bloated. It's like you have air in your stomach. You're bloated, you're gassy. Hmm. It's it's air. So it's cold. It's dry. Constipation. Hmm. Um, amenorrhea, which is not getting your period or getting very far spaced apart periods. You know, I came into Ayurveda because my Vata imbalance was so severe that hmm. my body essentially, when I was 21 years old, shut down. I went into perimenopause. So I had no more hormones left in my body. I had and it started with just feeling really bloated and gassy and constipated and then like anxious and fainting and then losing a lot of hair and mm-hmm. losing a lot of. Of weight and feeling super just like cold and dry. And then I just wasn't really getting my period. And it was like a year, two years, like yeah. not a menstrual cycle. And this actually was caused by me from going on a raw vegan diet because I read online that raw veganism is the best way to be. And it can work for some people for a period of time. Right. But for For the amount of vata I had living in Boston where it was very cold, Mm. it was way too imbalanced. Context
0: is key. Yes. (laughs) Y'all.
1: So so I see this imbalance happen the most with health conscious women because the foods that are advertised to us as health foods are vata increasing. Green juices, salads, smoothies, kale chips, granola bars, Mm -hmm. you know, like it. If you think about it like when's the last time you ate something warm for a lot of us we we don't we don't even have time to so we're just kind of snacking on things at random times hmm. and that perpetuates the vata imbalance and this is why anxiety is such a big issue i mean even if you think about we're all on 10 tabs on the computer at once blah, 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 blah. That's that's vata, okay. and then some people who are born with more vata in their physiology, like yourself, are like tall, lean, long, long face. So your structure is and your face are very vata. All so, right. So if you think about like Natalie Portman, oh, um, sign me up. Yeah, give me all the vata. I you was can thinking find. in your picture. You really look like her.
0: Oh, thank you. I was yeah. thinking that you're the nicest person in the world. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm.
1: You really do. But Aww. if you think of Ashton Kutcher, for mm. example, like. Almost like marathon, ballerina, that type of body. Oftentimes, if you look at, you know, we know about um, the sports nutrition archetypes, like the ectomorph, right, I believe right. it is, where you have a hard time mm-hmm. gaining weight. That's a very Vata body type. Mm.
0: Okay. So that's Vata.
1: That's Vata. Then we have Pitta. Yes. So Pitta is fire. If I was like, ooh, Allison, that girl is fiery. What do you think she's like?
0: Um, Confident, bold, uh, not afraid to speak her mind, um, strong-willed maybe even stubborn on the shadow side. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that's Pitta for you right there. It knows
1: what it wants. It's going to go get it. And because of that, they tend to be very successful entrepreneurs, athletes, just people who are high performers. Um, but the shadow side of that is sometimes life doesn't go your way. You know, uh-huh. Sometimes you set a goal for something and, you know, someone cancels. It doesn't work out. And that's when that fire can come out. So they can okay. like erupt like a volcano. So mm. anger, impatience, um, snapping at people. Would that's,
0: perfectionism be in there?
1: Perfectionism for sure. Mm. The pit to mind is like OCD. You know, that's that, that shadow side. The good side is like they're really organized. They have like their color-coordinated Google Cal. And mm-hmm. like if they're gonna hang out, they're like sending each other like a Google Cal to confirm 24 yes. hours in advance. <laughs> like Pitta needs direction. It has this like almost masculine energy to it. So if okay. we were gonna go on a walk, we're like, okay, we're gonna walk to the pole and back. Whereas Vata's
0: like, <laughs> You're like oh look a bird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I <laughs> like, love your outfit. Yeah.
1: Whereas Pitta's like, okay, what are we, what is this meeting about? Like it really wants to have a goal. And mm-hmm. because of that, you know, it it really helps in a lot of ways, but then some ways it can keep you just so stuck in the physical and the doing Mm. that you lose sense of like why you're doing that. Okay. So physically it's, it's heat. So if I was like, Oh, I feel like I have a lot of fire. Like, what do you think that means in my stomach in my body?
0: Ooh, not a good time on the toilet is what that means. Exactly. (laughs) So too spicy, too spicy. (laughs) So we
1: even have this, this understanding ourselves, if you eat something spicy, you're going to go to the toilet. Mm. So. Our stomachs are considered our agni, our digestive fire. So we all have a fire inside of us, our digestive system. But if we have too much fire going on in our body, our digestive system is going to be burning too quickly. So Mm. we eat a food. It goes right through our system. So what happens? We're we're throwing too much stomach acid at the food. So Mm. that is creating hyperacidity, which leads to heartburn, which leads to acid reflux, which leads to ulcers. So, anything related to hyperacidity, inflammation, irritations hmm. are all related to pitta. Okay. So pitta shows up in the skin. You know, if you think about the heat, the heat rises. If you go to a top bunk, it's hotter than the bottom bunk. So that heat in your digestive tract is rising. It's trying to escape. So that shows up as acne. Splotchy. Splotchy red skin. mm -hmm. Just like, you know, for example, if you broke out into hives, you know that there's a pitta imbalance happening. And I tried to make myself become very pitta (laughs) when I was writing my my book, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. I had a two-month deadline. I was like, okay, I want to get done. I'm like listening to Gary V. I'm going boxing. <laughs> I'm drinking coffee, I'm eating spicy foods. I was like, I'm going to become a Pitta. And I broke out into hives, which had never happened to me before because wow. my body is like, we can't handle all this like hot yoga and like ginger tea. It was too much. Mm-hmm. So everyone has a different threshold, you know, depending on what they're born with. So some who are born more Vata can handle more Vata without going into the shadow side, mm-hmm. whereas some who are more Pitta can handle more Pitta without going into the shadow side. But if we try to change our dosha completely, those shadow aspects are going to show up. So think heat, irritation, inflammation. But a lot of beautiful people in society are all of the doshas. Like Jennifer Lopez would be a really good example of
0: it. Oh, also down for that one. Yeah. Like she is (laughs) (laughs) like
1: she is feisty. She, you know, she's, I don't know, almost 50 this year soon. And it's like she's And and hustlers, like timeless. (laughs) Right. And that's that fire. And if you think about even her songs, it's like fuego, volume seven, like fuego, fuego. Like she loves that that fire. And in Latin culture, they really celebrate the fire in woman, whereas in Western culture, they celebrate the vata in woman. It's like, Mm -hmm. how can I be tall and lean? Like the number one DM I get is how do I become a Vata? And I'm sure if I was in Latin America, it would be, how can I become a Pitta? It's right. like, again, we don't want to change who we are. We want to own and like see the beauty of who we are. Mm-hmm. So I think of Madonna. I think of Jennifer Aniston have a lot of that Pitta energy. We can also okay. tell in the face, the jawline. Strong angled jawline. That's actually a sign of testosterone. Pitta has more of that testosterone in, in them, putting on muscle easily. So people who like work out and they're just like strong, mm-hmm. that's that Pitta energy. So we could also look at, you know, Kobe Bryant. Tony Robbins. Like, why do we love Tony Robbins? Because he makes us all feel commanding. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's like, clap your hands and stop your feet. And like, <laughs> you're so excited. Whereas <laughs> if you go to Dr. Joe Dispenza, it's very Vata. It's mm-hmm. very in your
0: head. And that's like, probably why I have Joe on the on the ride here
1: and not Tony. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's a, just a different frequency. And I think when you're feeling like kapha, which we'll talk about next, you need just more of that pitta and that fire and that will get you to the vata. It's like this, the series that you can't go from like low to super high. You need to bring it through the fire.
0: Okay. So what is the third?
1: So the third is kapha and that's earth energy. So if I was like, "Mm, Allison, that girl is so earthy.
0: (sighs) Just serene, tranquil, grounded, peaceful, harmonious. United. Am I getting it? So what if I just came on your podcast?
1: (laughs) And when I met you, I just stared into your eyes.
0: Oh, no. See, this wouldn't happen because I would, in real life, (laughs) in real time, set you to three times the speed and be like, all right, let's get that takeaway because mama don't have time. Right. (laughs) So it's,
1: it's funny because a lot of people in the spiritual community talk like this. For sure. And for some people listening to this, it actually feels really good for just Others relaxing. like me,
0: yeah, I'm spiraling into a tornado, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> so it kind of shows our relationship with the cough of me, too. I can't handle it, but <laughs> but other people are like, Oh, that just feels like a shavasana, right? Like, I went to a, ASMR lovers, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, for example, I went to an Eckhart Tolle talk, and he literally, I mean, that was probably 3x of what he was actually talking as, like, so slow. Like, there were more pauses than there were words, and half of the people were just going crazy in there, and half of the people. People were like, that was the most profound meditative experience that I've had. Right. So the cough is slow. It takes its time. If you think about the earth, the earth, like air is like, fire is like, and earth is like, it it moves slow like Mm -hmm. nature has its rhythms it has its cycles it's all going to happen it's time you can't you can't speed things up so people who are born more cough they have that like nurturing loving motherly energy they're just chill like i'm good honey they're so grounded in Mm -hmm. who they are it's that it's that stability that the earth provides so Mm -hmm. when everyone's like freaking out the vatas are like anxious and the pigeons are like yelling at people (laughs) the cough is just like i got you honey like i'm good like they're not their feathers are not ruffled easily they also have this strongest immune systems of any of the doshas, which kind of again shows stress body. I was going to say that reminds me of like cortisol depletion. Exactly. That's probably
0: correlated. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: So they have a very strong grounding within them. But what can happen on the shadow aspect of that is they can get stuck. They Mm. can get very into their routines, into their comfort zone, that for them getting out, meeting someone new, doing something new, exercising Mm. can feel like too much. So they rather just stay where they are, where things are chilled and like see what else could potentially be out there. So I think of mothers, like when you have a child, your body becomes the earth for another being and that naturally increases your kapha energy. So Mm. this is why a lot of mothers, especially after they've raised their kids, almost don't know who they are. Their their identities are an extension of these children. And they've given so much to them that they don't know what they want. They don't right. know who they are. And feeling like to get in the game at, at this point feels like just too much for them. Mm. So what happens is this grounding manifests in the body. You're holding on to energy. And as we know, calories are energy. So we're holding on. And this might seem, sound weird for people, but I'll explain even scientifically how it works. Caucasians tend to hold on to extra body weight and extra body fat. So if we think about why this could be like oh how could you hold on to energy physically? Well, if you think about it, if you're always giving your energy out to others, you need to get that energy back in. So most likely you're going to eat, emotionally eat, binge eat, especially comfort foods, mm-hmm. which increase the coffee in you, carbs, sugar, dairy, etc. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, like people who are overweight, it's not that they're eating the most. It's that they're oftentimes not eating during the day and then at nighttime just emotionally eating because they've depleted themselves. They've really given up their cup. Mm-hmm. So because of that, we see a lot of heaviness, especially in the hips and thighs and lower body. It's that anchoring type energy. And again, when you feel depleted and heavy you don't want to exercise you don't want to stimulate your body so they can get very sedentary and stuck
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the beauty of this is because they're so grounding they can really hold space for people so i think of oprah as a beautiful example of this okay and we can see you know who doesn't want to be oprah right, right. but why do we love her you know we love her because she could just ask you a question be like what's really happening mm mm-hmm.
0: I actually was watching a Super Soul Sunday uh, bit this morning, and that was exactly my response. I, of course, imagined using the power of visualization and in the goals that I'm setting, I would absolutely love to be sitting across from her having a conversation like this. And what I felt energetically from her presence was this sense of, I know how to hold space for people, and I've done my own work, and this is how I operate. So this you know, and I i actually found myself imagining telling her it, w- it felt a lot safer to be having the conversation with her than so many other of the renowned hosts that I've had the fortune of sitting across from. And, you know, they're very dynamic personalities, but they are, I guess, more um, vata. Or more <laughs> and, pitta, yeah. Yeah, and flitting and then also um, kind of mongering, um, intimidating. And I just see her as being someone who would take you in. Exactly, and that was
1: you intuitively picking up on her kapha energy. So this is what Ayurveda does. It gives us language to these things. Mm -hmm. Instead of you feeling like, I don't know, I feel like I could just talk to Oprah, you're like, (laughs) because she's kapha. And now we can also see all of these other elements related to her. Like the biggest news of the 90s, Oprah lost weight, she gained weight, she lost weight, she gained weight. We know Oprah's biggest issue is boundaries, that Mm -hmm. she was not able to say no to people because she wanted to make everyone happy, that she would like fly to Spain and give a talk and come back. So we could see that this entire personality and archetype is around her. Robin Williams is another good example of hmm. a kaffa So we all loved him. He made the whole world laugh, but we did not know what was going on inside. At the expense
0: and sacrifice of exactly. his own well-being. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And Kaffa though they're the most like loving and good-natured, they're the most likely to suffer from depression because depression hmm. is from long-seating holding in your truth and holding in your truth because you feel like you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, that if you said, I need support, what's going to happen to everything? everyone around you, whereas vata, more likely to get anxious, pitta, angry, kapha, depressed.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. If you're listening... See which box you check. <laughs> yes, I,
1: I'm, I'm all three. Right. And you can be all three. You can have imbalances of all three. And we can talk about tri bringing things back into balance. But essentially what you want to do in Ayurveda is bring whatever is the highest out of balance back into balance. So you might have a stage in your life that you're very pitta. Like, for example, you said you took the quiz and a lot of pitta showed up for you. Mm-hmm. That's probably because right now you're very in the doing. Yeah, you know? Take charge, take risks. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's going to create a lot more fire within you and it's also going to cause more of the fire aspects to Mm -hmm. show up in your life but the truth of who you are is you're an artist. You know, you're a creator, but you're you're amping up your pitta. The middle of your life is also the pitta stage of your life because you're like in that doing process. Mm. So this is why if if what's showing up for you are the pitta and balances, you're going to still bring your pitta back into balance, even though you were born with more vata. Okay. So always, if you take my quiz on my website, imsaharos.com, whatever quiz you take, you want to bring the dosha that's highest for you at this moment back into balance. So following the suggestions for that.
0: Okay, perfect. I have a feeling that we need to rest and digest. So let's take a break and we will be right back. Welcome back. We're chatting with Sarah Rose and I'm learning so much about Ayurveda and I have so many more questions. So hopefully there's some that are on your mind as well at home or watching and listening. Um, I want to hear you said a word before, panchakarma. And I was fortunate enough to go to... I guess you would call it a Panchakarma hospital or a spa, depending on what word choice you wanna use. Um, And something that's so beautiful is that in every medical and even spiritual system, you've got like the baseline therapies and treatments, but then it actually gets quite sophisticated. What is panchakarma and what happens in there? So the word panchakarma
1: means five-fold detoxification treatment. So essentially a panchakarma was something that they would always do in India about four times a year with every seasonal shift, even if it's a slight seasonal shift, because your body is going through a change. And it's it's a week, or you could even do for longer, essentially spa, slash retreat? whatever retreat vacation you could call it but you could even do it at home which i'll share with you um aspects of it that you eat just warm cooked food probably kitchari was what you were eating mm. so kitchari is the easiest to digest food in ayurveda yes.
0: stews soups yes mm.
1: so kitchri is um, mung beans which are a kind of pulse Basmati rice you could also do I recommend doing quinoa if you can digest that well um, and a series of spices that you could either cook in ghee I do plant based all my books are plant based so you could do sesame oil coconut oil so essentially you're just having these like like rice and lentils and that's it and um, and the reason why you're having these these just this kitri is because when you're eating anything raw, there's a lot of energy expenditure that needs to be broken down. Right. So there's very fibrous cell walls. And for example, like a leafy green salad, et cetera. So that's, you know, your body can handle it, but it's a lot of energy that it takes. So mm-hmm. what a panchakarma is trying to do is allow you to rest to the maximum state possible so your body can heal itself. So you're just eating this kitchri or other stews, warm cooked foods, hot teas, hot beverages, so your digestive system. System is resting. We want to have things that are warm and not cool because when you eat something that's cool your body has to emit energy to heat up the temperature right So if you're having something like an iced, fruit smoothie or iced coffee iced tea frappuccino something with ice in it ice is you know below 32 degrees mm-hmm. and our internal organs are you know 98 degrees so let's say 100 degrees and 30 degrees that's a 70 degree difference mm-hmm. and our bodies can do it but that's a lot of energy it takes to bring something 70 degrees up so a panchakarma karma is your body's chance to just like sit back and relax so warm everything and then warm oils on your body so there's different kind of massage treatments that you do mm-hmm. one of well a very basic one is abhyanga and that's something you can practice yourself at home so abhyanga is self oil massage it's to take oil and massage it just kind of a bit a bit vigorously into your skin so you're activating your your muscles and you're really allowing the oils to steep through the best way to do this if you're doing this at home is to Put the oil in your skin and sit in your shower when the when the uh, hot water is on and just let the steam let the oil go deeper into your skin pores. Mm-hmm. Same thing if you have a steam bath or a sauna. Put the oil in your skin before, and that's something that they do in Panch- Panchakarma. It's called Svedna. It's sitting in a steam with oil in your skin. Okay. Another treatment is Shirodara. I don't know if you practice that, but it's a third eye activation
0: with the oil dripping. Yes.
1: So there's this massive like cone shaped device with all many gallons of oil in it, Mm -hmm. um, herbalized sesame oil, and it very gently is just pouring over your forehead, which is your third eye center. And it's just it's on this like string chain so it's like going back and forth so you're just feeling it very gently pouring right and left right and left over your forehead and what this is believed to do is to allow your mind to settle down your thoughts to settle down so this is a vata balancing treatment there's so many different treatments according to your dosha but essentially it's a chance for your body to allow itself to do its work
0: and you started talking about the third eye, which relates to chakras. I think we should go there next. Yes. Um, there are many different models, 5, 7, 12, infinity chakra systems. If possible, I'm most familiar with 7. I think that's maybe the most widely represented, at least here in the States. Um, and I would love to walk through each of the chakras, but then... Also ask about how we can assess whether they're in or out of balance, bringing them into alignment. I know from a book called um, The Wheels of Life by Dea Judith, she was describing them as being excessive or deficient um, and open or closed. So it's not just like they're there now, you know, you did it. It's like, oh, we can actually start to work with these. How can we notice them? Also, just for everyone listening There are so many ways to describe them based on elements, symbol, color. Um, And so whatever you hold on to, hold on to that. Don't worry about trying to digest every single thing that gets shared about the chakras, but think about your own body and feel into it as you're listening and watching and see what pops up. You know, you might notice that there's a chakra that's really out of alignment and then, you know listen intently to figure out what to do about it.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh Oh, so yeah. So I also, I mean, the Vedas say seven chakras. So I think of it almost like Maslow's hierarchy. You know, a lot of us have learned about that in psychology, how if you don't have your basic needs met, you can't go on to your wants, your desires, and eventually self-actualization. So starting with your root chakra, your root chakra is your foundation. It's the sense of who you are. It's survival. And it's located in your perineum. So it's like the very bottom of your spinal cord. So, when the root chakra is out of balance, when you feel like you don't feel safe, you start to experience, and we can talk about, I don't know if you want to go into depleted or too much, but essentially, a root chakra imbalance is the feeling of not having safety, the feeling of, you know, maybe you moved a lot when you were a kid, or maybe you just, you were coming out of the closet and you didn't feel safe in that way. So, root chakra imbalances are very, very common in Western society, even though we, are safe we might not have felt safe hmm. it's also the connection to earth so when you are disconnected to Earth, essentially you lock yourself up. You cl- you're you sitting in chairs, you're in boxes, you're in like very sterile environments. We're drinking in energy from Earth constantly, but we have to allow ourselves to literally touch the Earth, have our bare feet receiving the negative ions from the Earth. And for women, like allowing our, our yonis to drink up that Earth energy. So mm-hmm. if you look at in African cultures, they were constantly squatting, they were in the Earth, they were moving their hips, they're African dancing, like mm-hmm. anything that's moving your hips. And I you know you love to dance to that's opening up your root chakra and allowing you to receive that energy and stability from the earth
0: is that like cat cow and yoga
1: yeah cat cow definitely like twerking I love twerking <laughs> and, and that is actually an ancient birthing practice mm-hmm. you know and a lot of women have shared with me that they have birthed their babies through through that movement mm-hmm. um, and this is why again a lot of people like to be in water when they're birthing because it allows your hips to go into that that state So root chakra stability. Sacral chakra is pleasure. So an acronym that I like to use is CAP, creativity, abundance, and pleasure. And this is all related to the sacral chakra. Mm. So the sacral chakra is, you know, if root chakra was like primal sex, sacral chakra is like sensuality and relationships Mm -hmm. and and eating a delicious chocolate and just enjoying it. Savory. Yeah, it's mm. more of a salsa dancing energy. Okay. So when that is out of balance, we experience a lot of just things related to the genitalia. So hormonal imbalance, vaginal dryness, feeling mm. like you, you know are not interested in sex anymore. These Maybe are isolating. isolating yourself definitely especially romantically that Mm -hmm. would be it's feeling like you are not deserving of pleasure or do not want pleasure that's all related to sacral chakra and we can receive pleasure in other ways the sun hitting your skin like Mm -hmm. having a beautiful conversation but it's just allowing yourself to feel that and again in our western culture Pleasure is not like a virtue. It's not something that we seek after. Right. It's something that has been very commercialized and we see the shadow aspects of it, right. which has made us very out of touch with our beautiful sensuality mm-hmm. that moves through us.
0: Yeah. We're very quick to name call and harass or look at the exploitation of sexuality. Yes. And also very scared to, to step into that power often Absolutely. Um, because of the repercussions and you know the sense of yeah having an endangered sense of safety.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So in Tantra, which is another practice that I, I am studying right now, we see these energies like the, the first three trackers as kind of one unit. Mm-hmm. So when that root Tamas, right?
0: Thomas is like feeling dullness. Oh, okay. I yeah. Thomas is like Thomas. R- Rajas. And yeah, those are gunas. Gunas. Yeah. But t- it's related to that, right? Kind of.
1: It, it, okay. it's, it's a way of describing things. OK. Yeah. So we can talk about that next. If you Matter, want. inertia,
0: density. I'm like trying yeah. to absorb everything. Yeah, you're you're doing great. Keep it up. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> so sacral
1: chakra, it's that fluidity. And there's colors it's related to. So root chakra is red. Sacral chakra is orange. In um, my book, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, I have an entire chart with like essential oils and the doshas they're connected to and the elements and like all of those right. things. And second is water. Correct. Yes, that water. So that water is like that fluidy, and these are also kapha energies too. Hmm. So we could see that they're all, you know, grounding us. Then solar plexus is more of that Pitta energy. It's your sense of identity. It's who you are. So it's the color yellow. So if you are not sure of like you know, who who am I? What is my purpose? How can I show up? That's going to experience as a solar plexus imbalance. So digestive issues, which are a huge thing that people are suffering mm. from today. Just like bloating, gas, different issues. A lot, a lot of times it's related to even traumas around who you are, not fully stepping into who you are, et cetera. Right.
0: Power, power. Will.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. So if we look at like excess and depletion of each of each chakra if it's an excess that would be like egotistical power like this is who i am and you know that take it or leave it my way or you know the yeah uh, there, there's a president out there that has a lot of this <laughs> yeah. Got it. and um if it's depleted then that's the i don't know who i am mm-hmm. so same with sacral If it's too much, it's like over-sexualization, sexual fantasizing all the time. Mm -hmm. Depleted, I don't deserve it. Root chakra excess is let's battle, let's war. And then diminished is I don't feel safe.
0: In a way, a lot of our systems seem to be operating from that more control domination paradigm. But if we moved it up a little bit, it could go more to the heart center perhaps yeah no i crazy (laughs) no i think
1: definitely our systems in place are the excess of these three chakras which are causing us to get diminished because we Mm. see how exploited they are that we're like if that's what power looks like i don't want any power if that's Mm. what sex looks like i don't want any sex and it's almost us like shifting the pendulum too far in the opposite direction
0: Mm, okay so the first three are sort of related to survival everyday basics like Mm. just get yourself up and running but then they all the the bottom three and the top three meet in the center which is the heart chakra. What's going on in number four?
1: Yeah. So the heart chakra is Anahata. It's related to the color green and it's, love, universal love, compassionate mm-hmm. love. So it's different than the love for a romantic partner, but it's like, you know, you just feel like butterflies in your stomach. You're like, oh my God, I'm just in love with life. Like mm-hmm. everything is so beautiful right now. Like heartgasms. That's a real thing. You mm-hmm. can have orgasms in your heart. Yeah. So this is essentially showing that your heart is open. You're able to give and receive love. You're able to see oneness in all. When the heart chakra is closed off, which happens to most of us when we experience a breakup, we're like, I don't feel like it's safe for me to love anymore. So So I'm just going to close this chakra up. Hmm. But it's preventing us from receiving that love that exists in all things and all beings. Right. So I very rarely see people with too much open heart. But that might be like losing separation of who you are because you are so just in love with everyone else. Maybe codependency codependent but that would probably be more related to a lower chakra issue okay. like if your heart is just like super blast open like for example sometimes you go on a yoga retreat or like you're in a very spiritual place mm-hmm. and your heart is so open but then you come back to you know a big city and your heart just can't be that open because there's like too much happening it's not safe for your heart to mm-hmm. open so i remember when i moved back from like india and bali i was like i can't be this open-hearted here it's it's yeah. it's not safe so our hearts can you know open and close according to the environment we have to feel it out but to have that open heart chakra is to see that we're all we're all this one vibration and then we don't see that separation that duality anymore so I saw your video about haters and that's just a sign of their closed uh, heart chakra because they're mm. not able to see that you're just a reflection of them
0: right and the color associated is blue it's green oh green yeah okay
1: so if you think of nature trees hmm. this is all opening up our hearts. Okay.
0: Okay, nice. Yeah. Now, when we think about um, a thought coming down into a manifested action, that's a downward current. And then when we think about the root chakra going all the way up, traveling up, I think the sushumna is what it's called, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The sort of like vertical channel superhighway, we'll say, of energy energy. lifting to our our crown chakra and out that's another upward current and that's we're headed toward liberation right we're headed toward transcending our small self and being able to see that oneness so it ends up being if i'm remembering correctly elements and everything associated less with dense matter and more with thought and light and consciousness itself what's happening in the top three chakras? (laughs) Yeah, so exactly. And this is that
1: quality of sattva that you mentioned. It's that purity and that lightness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the heart chakra is connecting that bodily self and then that, that higher self which is you know all one Mm -hmm. so we're entering now into the throat chakra and this is our ability to communicate related to the color blue so this is the ability to take that thought into words or into song so a lot of people out there they're you know the number one fear in the world is public speaking like Mm -hmm. not like dying or whatever it is it's it's public speaking and Mm -hmm. this is just showing how closed off so many of our throat chakras are that we feel like it's not safe for me to speak, or I don't know how to express myself correctly, or someone can put my thoughts better into words than I can. Hmm. Some people are more gifted with that opening of the throat and- chakra, but hmm. we all have the ability to do it. So if you feel like your throat chakra is depleted, like I really want to be able to talk, but I just don't know how start journaling, you know, like just start writing in an unedited way. Just let the thoughts come through. Mm -hmm. And naturally from there, you begin to understand better how to express yourself. Also singing, you know, singing different uh, sounds related to the chakras, sound bowls, you know, song, alchemy. This is all very healing for the throat.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved reading about um, like the physics of rhythm and entrainment. And this is just me geeking out for a second. But what I loved learning is the synchrony between both of us right now there's no lag I'm actually responding um to you in real time as though I am you mm. and it's that's fascinating to me that the chemistry we can have a true affinity um you know on a, on a scientific level and it's almost like there was no separation mm-hmm. um, even though my brain might be processing what seems like what you're saying later. Physically, what's happening is, um. Simultaneous. Absolutely. And I think that that's why people,
1: you know, having in person communication is so important because with that, I'm, I'm picking up on your body language. I'm picking up on your frequency. I'm picking up on your energy that it's probably like our souls and our bodies doing more of the talking and our words are just like things right. that we're, we're yeah. putting out Arbitrary. there. Arbitrary. Yes. Yeah. It,
0: it leaves more room for resonance, then. Exactly. And mm-hmm. the
1: throat chakra is related to that, too. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. I could have done the whole episode like this and said the exact same thing and no Thank one would have given you did a it. shit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, Cut. Yeah. I'd be like, you're giving me nothing. Yeah. She's giving me nothing. So girls, get her out, out of here book. Get her out of book. You. Out of book. <laughs> you know? So that's related to that
1: throat. Okay. So then we have the third eye, which everyone's like, How do I open the third eye? And um you have to start you have to start with the lower ones and work right. your way up. But yeah. that third eye is related to the color purple. So it's the ability to use your intuition. So why is it the third eye? Well, if you take like a pencil and you stick it into your forehead in between your eyebrows and Metaphorically, you Metaphorically, everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't do this at home. <laughs> Use your third eye, um, but you would actually hit a little walnut-shaped gland called the pineal gland, mm-hmm. and this is essentially what that third eye is. The pineal gland is in charge of consciousness. It what it's the witness of all of the things that are happening right mm-hmm. now. So we can think of this as our our higher brain. You know, we have our reptilian brain, reptilian brain, which is our survival brain. It's just in charge of like, oh my god, there's a car, there's traffic. How am I going to get food? Who am I? It's like fuck, f- uh, fight and flee. Mm-hmm. That's the. Sur- the reptilian survival brain. And it was created evolutionary because it's the, the responses we needed to make it. Sure. However, now we don't have like alligators like chopping our legs off. So mm-hmm. we're using this brain in excess when it's not needed. And because of, you know, fluoride and many other systems which we could go into, the pineal gland has been calcified. Calcified, right. So right now with things like meditation and eating clean foods, etc., we're decalcifying that pineal gland so it can start running the show and we can see mm. joy and unity and ease and abundance and then when we see more of it it starts showing up for more of us so I think a lot of people they get into the same situation oh like why do I keep dating the same guy over and over again or whatever it is it's because you're not using that third eye and if you're able to use the third eye you're just going to avoid so many of the human issues that you've been dealing with and just be able to like enjoy this life
0: right and I think a lot of people are fascinated with like clairaudience clairvoyance clear sentience and it's actually very available and possible, and we're all equipped. You know, I know that there's less science in like the parapsychology sector and um, metaphysics, but a lot of it is catching up to showcase that we can intuitively um, and energetically really notice what's going around and see in some ways through what we um, are perceiving with our kind of, I would just say lower chakra basic eyesight and vision into that deeper vision of mm. um what's happening happening atomically mm-hmm. um and universally. And so the element, is it light or thought? Is it's light for the third eye? So the third or eye. Sight?
1: The third eye is sight, the ability to see and it's also related to vata, which is that air that so it would okay. be related to air and then crown is related to space. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. So take me to the crown. We're going to the crown. Yeah. So the crown is actually located right above the top of your head. It's not in your body. It's right above your body. So it's essentially like your ability to receive messages. So you know when people say like, oh, I got a download to write this book. Or I got a download. to." Do, I remember people would say that. I'm like, you downloaded it? Like, where did you download it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, I channeled it. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I thought, oh, you have to be like, I don't know, a psychic or born with that sure. kind of gift to do the channeling thing. I thought you had to be like Abraham Hicks you know but we're all channeling all the time Mm -hmm. like any time that you're in that flow state that you're dancing and you don't even know what the song is but your body is moving to it or you're singing and the song is just coming through you or you're writing and it's just happening or you're making something that is you channeling that is you delivering whatever message it was that you were meant to through your chakras Mm. but we can only do this and receive that message of what it is when that crown is open when we're open to receive So we all have these like antennas, but a lot of us have like put a cement block over the antenna and this, how it happens is you have an idea about something like, oh, like imagine if I created a healing CBD chocolate line, we're like, oh, that's never going to happen. There's already some, something like that out there. And then you just, you're. Your consciousness just gifted you this beautiful idea. And by the way, no idea ever comes to you if you were not meant to act on it. Hmm. If that idea is coming to you, it was chosen for you. But it doesn't mean that you're going to do it. You know, you have free will. Mm -hmm. And the same ideas go to the different people out there who have the ability to make it happen. This is why we see patents being filed for the same invention at the same time. How is this happening? Well, they they had that same idea, that same download, and they both acted upon it. Whereas how many of us see an invention, see a book, see a TV show, we're like, oh, I thought about that so long ago, but you didn't do anything. So if that idea is coming through you, you have the ability to make it happen. Mm -hmm. But it's going to take you moving it through your third eye and intuiting it and wondering, oh, what was that CBD chocolate going to look like? What would the packaging be? Who are the people that would eat it? And then sharing it. Oh, like I'm going to write a business plan for it. I'm going to draft up an idea and then feeling the love for it, feeling the passion for it, and then executing on it and then finding the joy in it and then birthing it. So we're just moving it through our chakras. And if we can just use that as our compass, as our guide of like, I'm stuck. What chakra are you stuck at? What one can you go to
0: next? Right. Oh, that's so comprehensive. Thank you so much. And I'm going to spare everyone trying to like dive into Eden Pingala and the, is it, would you pronounce it? Nadis? The Nadis, yeah. Um, But for your own exploration, just Google N-A-D-I-S or EDA, I-D-A, Pingala, P-I-N-G-A-L-A, um, and start learning about all the other subtle nerve channels um, and how they correspond to the nerve gangula, uh, ganglia and, um, you know, the endocrine and um, different different systems, uh, you know, uh, cardiovascular systems. It's incredible what network we have within ourselves. And just a quick thing that you mentioned when you seem to have ideas simultaneously. I was reading (laughs) something really geeky about holograms and holographs and just how um, how we can actually be sharing uh, in a collective consciousness. And you can we often limit ourselves when we go, well, I can't come up with an idea, but someone like Steve Jobs might. And an exercise that I've been doing, which is making it very practical and not too woo-woo, is if you can't think your way through a problem, put on the hat of Beyonce or whomever you're trying to channel, and you'll notice that you'll start thinking differently. New ideas will appear, and you know you don't have to... Um, you don't have to call yourself psychic or crazy. Um, so there's just so much access to information. What would Allison Stoner do? Yeah, right? <laughs> I, don't <know> what, <laughs> I don't know what people I don't know would come I would
1: pop with. Pop and lock in while the hologram shows up. Yeah. Um, something I can actually teach
0: you about. Yes. Popping and locking I'm down. do not go together. I mean, they can and they often do if you're like throwing a set in a battle or whatever and like an all style set. But popping is its own genre and Mm. locking is its own genre and somewhere along the line we said pop and lock but like if you're a popper and you hit uh which is another word for like actually popping your muscle um and you lock you that's very different Mm. and it's just funny that like you know every dance movie I've been in like the writer for sure has had pop and lock in a line and if you're a dancer and you're trained in like the different umbrella kind of hip hop styles and you're like yo it's street styles then you're like no can't say this. Well, I think
1: it's just a good example of, you know, that's the system of pop was one and lock was one. And then they merged together to create this beautiful thing that resonated with so many people. And this is what we're doing right now with these ancient teachings mm-hmm. that have their own system, but we're not following them to a T. We're also linking in our, our schedules and our lives. And right. the fact that you not, might not want to eat only Khitri for the rest of right. your life or only focus on your chakras. And it's this invitation to pick and choose
0: what works for you and create your own and pop and lock. modernize it. Yeah. And, you yeah, refine it. Refine it. Um, let us take one more break. When we come back, I want to chat about your oracle card deck. We have one here, and I'd love to have you walk us through that, um, as well as meditation. Ugh, so many people want to start, but how do you do it? Which which uh, you know format is right for you? And uh, we'll get into that when we come back. All righty, friends, welcome back. We're still hanging with Sahara. And I want to talk about your Oracle card deck called A Yogic Path, which has incredible illustrations, by the way, by an artist, Danielle Noel, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, So I have a confession first. I grew up believing that Oracle decks were completely dark and evil. And I apologize for my judgment, which I've learned now was actually just a complete misunderstanding, um, and and the wrong context, and a very limited consciousness. So for us newbies, what is your oracle deck? How does it work? And can we try it together?
1: Yeah. So all oracle card decks are a reflection of your own consciousness. They're contemplation tools. So a lot of us, we want to go into meditation or, or something related to that. And we, we can't. There's so many thoughts in our heads. And what oracle cards provide us with is an opportunity to just tune in, center yourself, ask a question that's on your mind. It's not about predicting the future. It can't predict the future. You're co-creating the future in every moment. Boom. But, <laughs> but how can I you know, best show up in this situation? Or what message do my guides have for me? Or whatever it is, what is my intuition telling me right mm-hmm. now? So with this question in mind, you'll shuffle the cards and just really come to a state of stillness within. And Imagining that these cards right now are the universe working through these cards. So you're essentially pulling something that source consciousness guides, whatever you want to call it, wants you to see. So we can pull a card for you right now. Yeah, let's do it. Um, And how I like to work with the cards is you ask the question, you pull it, but you do not look at it. You place it between your hands in like a namaste position. And then you ask the question again and allow your intuition to respond. I think too quickly we go. We're like, what do I do about my ex? You know, and. And it's like that's giving away your power. The whole mm-hmm. point of this is to enhance your intuition. So if someone's like, I, I want more third eye energy, this is a good practice for you. So from that place of the card is in your hands, you don't even know what it says. Letting your intuition tell you is might be the only healing work that you need. It might just give you the answer right there. You don't even need to look at the card. Hmm. And then when you look at the card, look at the imagery. So all of these cards, the actual goddesses that are in the cards are the ancient statues from Vedic times. And there's a lot of different messages of their meanings and their subtleties. So look at the image of the card. See what shows up for you. And then there's a guidebook that I wrote that explains what each card means upright, upside down. But more than that, it's not about looking at the guidebook. It's about tuning in within.
0: Okay. so Which is kind of intimidating when there's a microphone and a timeline. Yeah. Okay, just step into it, you anxious vata.
1: You know, and we can even just pull a card for, like, the the consciousness of the audience right now or something like that.
0: Yeah. You're off the hook. (laughs) Love it. I can breathe again. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So we could pull, you know, right now for – All of the souls that are listening to this at any time and point that they are listening to this, the shared consciousness of this collective, we're asking upon the universe to share with us an important healing message that they would like each of these souls to recognize and honor within themselves. So when I scan the cards, I like to keep my eyes closed and just scan my hands over the cards and see where I'm being pulled. So there might be a point that you feel like tingling or heat or just any kind of energy there and other points that just feels like cold and nothing. So go to where it feels like hot. So this is the card that I pulled. Okay, so intuitively what I am channeling is like don't be afraid of starting the journey and that it can feel like a lot of things you have to learn and just don't come into it with that like school mindset hmm. like this is not like a bunch of subjects that you now have to memorize this is a buffet that you can pick and choose what you want hmm. and and some things will resonate with you later on and you'll come back to them and know that the perfect systems will come into your life at the perfect times awesome so we don't even need to look at the cards anymore okay, so the great. Message is there, is but we can beautiful so we pulled pitta great so pitta <laughs> is that energy of transformation it's that energy of taking something and and bringing it to life. So I think a lot of the people who are listening to this right now maybe have an idea of something that they want to do and they Mm -hmm. maybe just haven't gone into like quite doing it yet. That Mm. fear and that hesitation right before I think also going into this new year. So Pinta is reminding you to step into it, to transform, to like make that email or call or Activate. whatever it is mm-hmm. exactly to take action. So, And then there is a guidebook that you can read the meanings even further.
0: Gorgeous. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, just course. to piggyback on that really quickly because I know we're running out of time. Um, I was watching another video this morning, and they were talking about um, – the, the education system and how the three key things that we need the creativity the curiosity and the diversity are what the culture of education is is lacking and so if you can tap into those and like you said see it as a buffet see it as um, you know a, a new kid new to the world just ready to learn anything and everything that'll be a, a fun process um, so let's quickly if you can talk about meditation how do we how do we enter into a, a a space where that's actually possible mm. and where do we begin like with an app or a book or mantras what do you think
1: yeah so you know there are so many different ways to meditate out there but essentially it's the stillness of the mind so I used to be like I don't really need to sit and meditate you know like I dance let's meditation I go on walks and it's not the same you know we could do something meditatively even this but this is not even a meditation to meditate or sadna is to sit in stillness in a state of no thought mm-hmm. which sounds like the hardest thing to do So what I mean, I'm a big fan of using apps, especially if there's just a timer on it and just noticing your breath, just coming into your breath. Like I like to inhale seven breaths, hold it for four counts, exhale seven breaths. So if I'm just doing that and I'm coming into a conscious state of breathing, it already just kind of x's out a lot of the thoughts and the worries I have. It brings my body into a more calm state. Hmm. And then when thoughts are showing up, instead of entertaining them or going into them, especially if it's like a good thought, like you have a great idea about something and you're really tempted to write it down or whatever, I just label it. I'm just like, okay. And if it's a really good idea I want to remember, I'll be like, okay, when I look at my thumb after this meditation, that thought will come up. Hmm. So, and if it's just a thought that's not serving me, like, oh, what am I going to eat later? What's happening after this? Our brains are so focused on the future that most of our narration, and it's, again – to prevent any kind of disruption, it's saying, what's gonna happen next? What's gonna happen next? But it's preventing you from you know living your life in, in the present, which is the ultimate key to happiness. So when a thought is coming up, label it. Thought, thought, and then you, it is, instantly become the witnesser you're no longer in the thought but you're witnessing the thought and then just come back to your breath i like mantra meditations so you could have a mantra a mantra is a sanskrit term that has a vibrational frequency or resonance mm-hmm. that's an ancient term so for example like om is mm-hmm. a mantra soham so soham is a very easy one that everyone can do in tantra for example they say om is actually not a good um meditation uh mantra to meditate on because it's the sound of all of the universe so it's not supposed to be a sound that we're supposed to like echo back it's the sound of the mm. universe where so hum is that frequency of like bringing your system your masculine feminine to balance so even just sitting and every time the thought comes up just come back to so hum so hum you can just label thought come back to the breath so hum and it's It's really as simple as that and as difficult as that. Your Mm -hmm. biggest challenge is going to be your thoughts telling you that you have something better to do. Mm -hmm. And if you can just have that timer on like, okay, this is the 10 minutes. There's nothing better I can do at this time than do this. Everything else is secondary to this. You're going to notice you don't feel anything during meditation. It's not like, oh, I meditated now my life is great. You're going to start to notice that things that bothered you used to not bother you. Like the thing that triggered you about your mom is just like no longer an issue anymore. So right. it's
0: not during meditation that you notice the shifts. It's your life around the meditation. And we can do a whole episode on meditation alone. Well, on each of these factors alone. Um awesome. Well, for everyone listening, I know you have so many programs, books, ways we can find you. What are you up to and how can we join the sisterhood?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, well the best way to start is to go on my website iamsaharos.com and take the dosha quiz and that will allow you to see what is the percentage of each dosha in your mind and in your body and it has like videos for each one in a free three-day mini course so joining that and if you are craving more of a spiritual community of people who want to talk about this stuff and support you even if you're totally at the beginning uh, i've created a sisterhood community called rose gold goddesses that i'd love to have you as an honorary member and Yay. and as an expert in there but essentially it's a community of. Women around the world who are supporting each other and becoming their highest selves. So we have each month an energy of a new goddess. So energy of creativity with Saraswati, energy of ease with Yamaya. And we're working with the different goddess archetypes. We have experts coming in. We have like Shaman Dirk and I have a course in there and, you know, so much support so much content so much love because the mm. biggest reason why people don't step into the spiritual journey is because they feel alone in it so right. if you can feel like you're connected and there's other people it's going to take you so much farther
0: yes and everyone listening you are not alone i too am on the journey and thank you so much mm. for sharing everything with us thank you for having me truly as you can see sahara is just tapped into living life fully and holy and awakened and as she says um The lifestyle and her teachings provide a map for us to regain luster passion and flow in our lives So I hope you find yourself in a rabbit hole today Um researching everything we discuss and then also trying out the exercises and applying them Um, this was a jam-packed episode and it's time for our weekly affirmations You can write these down speak them over yourself share them with the ones you love um I've seen a lot of people posting videos with sticky notes and phone backgrounds with the mantras, so keep it up. I'll say each twice, and then you can hop on in the space for the third. Okay, first one. I am in alignment with my dharma. I am in alignment with my dharma. Second, my body is coming back into balance every day. My body is coming back into balance every day. I can hear the whispers of my soul. I can hear the whispers of my soul. So awesome as always if you found this to be helpful I encourage you to hit subscribe share it on social media share it with a friend Um, also let me know what your favorite takeaway is you can share it like with the time code in the comments and uh, if you haven't yet please take five seconds to rate and review it's just that small but mighty gesture of letting people know we are here and we have something to say Um, I believe this information is so valuable so um, I would love for it to get out there Thank you for being a part of the journey, and I will catch you next week on Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace. Thank you for listening to Simplexity. I am so glad to be having these conversations with you all. It would mean so much if you took a second to rate and review this podcast, and if you haven't already, click subscribe to be first to hear each week's episode. I'm Allison Stoner, signing off on Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace.